Hey friends, you're listening to OKY. I'm your host, Michael Grove. Today is February the 14th, and a great big happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there, especially to my wonderful, amazing wife, Christy, who I love dearly. Hope everyone, though, is having an awesome day so far. We are reading the Bible together, which is the best thing we can do together on Valentine's Day because we are reading about the one who loves us the most. That's right. It's our Heavenly Father who sent his son, Jesus, which today's story is going to help us understand this better. So let's jump right in in the book of Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. 
But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please, come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. This concludes our reading for today. Let me give you a thought before we end our time together. Okay, let me start out with a question. Who deserves to be saved? I know what you're thinking right now. You immediately go to the church answer of everyone. Everyone deserves to be saved. Let's be honest, that's the easy answer. But you ever thought about how hard that really is to live out? I mean, let me give you a really good example of something that just happened actually this past weekend. Let's say a woman walks into a church with a gun, and unfortunately, she opens fire on other people. Now, just so you know, most people would say, well, then she deserved to die for doing that. And to be honest with you, that's a really hard conversation, isn't it? Because there's a piece of you that when you hear about kids and other people around her, it's an easy answer to say, yes, they deserved to take her out. But then there's the hard question. 
who decides who lives in those moments and who doesn't. Now I get there's some logistical people that right away are thinking they had to stop her before she hurt somebody else. But at the same time, what if there was a way to save everybody else without her losing her life? Would you suddenly feel different? Would you say, hey, let's stop her without her losing her life, even though she had just taken other people's lives? I know it's a weird ethical question, isn't it? How do we reconcile saving someone who is hurting other people? Think about the scene for a moment. Saul was going around persecuting the Christians. He had just gotten permission from the Jewish officials to go into all the synagogues, pull people out of there, and imprison them if he wanted to. When Stephen was being stoned to death, Saul was the one standing right there approving of it. He was a murderer. He was someone who was willing to hurt other people simply because they believed in Jesus. If we didn't know how it all ended, wouldn't you think the easy answer would be, well, just get rid of Saul. Don't allow him to live any longer so that he can't hurt the Christians. Yet, that's not what Jesus did, is it? In fact, Jesus went to Saul. He didn't wait for Saul to figure it out or to find out who Jesus really is. Jesus presented himself to Saul so that he could understand the love of God. And then, in what seems like a weird twist of events, the man who was persecuting the Christians, approving of their death, and going around imprisoning people, becomes the biggest preacher in the New Testament. Listen, the other Christians couldn't believe it either. When he gets to Jerusalem, they're all afraid of him, and they wonder, is this for real? Okay, so why do I bring this up today? Today's Valentine's Day, and I hope you have people that express their love to you. Not just romantic love, but the type of love that makes you understand how valuable you really are. And I have to say, even though I don't know every single person that's listening right this moment, at the end of this podcast, I will say these words, I love you and God bless. And you need to know that I start out every moment of saying these podcasts by really praying and saying, God, let these people know your love. And then Lord, pour your blessings out on them. But this story should prove how desperately God loves you. That he would take someone like Saul, who is breathing murderous threats against God's people, and yet still find a way to grip his heart by revealing himself to them. Why? Because God loves them that much. In fact, God knew that if Saul could be converted, then he would become the most powerful force in building this New Testament church. So God reached down to somebody who didn't deserve it. He transformed him and then set him up to be the strongest force in building the church in that time. What does that prove? That God loves everyone. And not only does he love everyone, but he has a plan for them, even if they are walking in the exact opposite direction. See, God's love is so big and so deep and so rich, he would do anything for anyone to come and find him. The New Testament church understood that. 
In fact, let me read verse 2 again. It says that Saul asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. The way. This isn't some strange Star Wars thing. This is how the people of God were referred to. Before they were called Christians, they were known as the way. Now, there are a couple of different schools of thought in theologians around this word. First of all, you have this understanding. They were called the way because they believed in the way God would lead them. Starting all the way back with Moses and how he parted the Red Sea and caused things to supernaturally happen all the way into their lives in that moment. They believed that there was a specific way that God led them, and people saw it and understood their faith, and so they were called the way. But then there's this other school of thought, and we see it throughout the book of Acts, that it was because of the way they lived their lives. They took care of each other. They had everything in common. They showed love to one another in such a rich way that it drew people in. You see, the whole gospel message is about the way God loves us. Even when we're like Saul, walking the opposite direction, spitting on the things of God, Jesus still is trying to make himself known to us because it's the way that we understand the love of God. Look, we've all done things we're not proud of. Paul would actually later write in the book of Romans that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, he understood the love of God is so rich and so deep that while we were still away from him and against him, he was willing to prove his love so that the day we found him, we could be transformed. So God took this man who was anti-Christianity and transformed him. And that, my friends, is a perfect example of the one who loves you no matter what you've ever done. So on this Valentine's Day, while I pray you have people all around you who express to you how much they love you, and maybe even a little bit of romantic love from a significant other, more than any of that, I pray that you would understand there's a God that so desperately loves you. He has been chasing after you since the beginning of time. So let this day be full of God's love. Every time somebody says something that reminds you it's Valentine's Day, I want you to thank God. Thank him that no matter what, while you are still away from him, he would show a way for you to come back because he loves you and he calls you his child. So be loved today. That's all the time we have left for today. I love you and God bless.